We are on chapter 15 of Shemuel Bet, verse 35. And we said, as David is leaving Yerushalayim, one of the things that dawns on him, and that is, is a source of great distress for him, is the fact that Achitofel was amongst the enemy, was amongst the rebellion, was amongst the, uh, the rebels. Achitofel was, according to the Radak and according to the Midrashim, he was the grandfather of Batsheva. And according to some opinions, his whole purpose in joining Avshalom was because he was a master orchestrator of events and he was, a, he was a master advisor. He saw himself as capable of taking the throne. That's what he wanted to do. Some Midrashim say he saw the fact that his line would carry the kingship and he thought it was referring to him and he was or- trying to orchestrate events by joining Avshalom, who was more of a self-absorbed, weaker character. He joined him so that he could defeat him after you know, he takes the throne and then, and then take over. Now the line that was going to come from him, the line of kingship that was to come from him was not from him, but it was from Shilomo, his great-grandson, according to the Perush. Okay? Now the problem with Achitofel is that he was a great, great, great advisor. And David knew that if Achitofel's advice was heeded by Avshalom, it would be very, very hard to overcome him. Now, he makes a tefillah to God, and he says, please, sakel na atzat Achitofel. Please uh, confuse the advice of Achitofel. And all of a sudden, David comes, and who's there, to, who's there to greet him as he's leaving the city? A man named Hushai Ha'arki. And this guy, who was, he had his clothes torn, and he had uh, dirt on his head, which was a sign of mourning. And David says to him, if you come with me, then it's going to be a burden. But if you return to the city and you tell to Abshalom that I'm going to be your servant, then maybe you'll be able to mess up the advice of Achitofel. You'll be able to nullify his advice. And Pazuk Lamidhe continues, And also, Hushai says David, Aviatar and Sadok are there with you. Remember, Aviatar was the one from the line of Eli, who's going to be deposed very soon. Sadok was the Kohen Gadol that was, you know, the main Kohen. And they had two sons, Achimans and Yonatan, who are going to serve as messengers. Okay? Anything that you, Hushai, hear from the house of the king, Tagid you should say to Tzadok and Avatar, and they will say it to their sons, and their sons will get the message to me. They have their two sons with them, Achimatz, Tzadok, Yonatan, Avatar. Achimatz and Yonatan, Ushlachtem, Biadam, Elai, Kol Davar, Ashertishma'u. And by means of these two sons, you can send any information that you find on Pasuk Lamid Vav in Perek Tetvav. Pasuk Lamid Zain. Vayavoh Hushai Re'ay David Ha'ir. And Hushai, the friend of David, comes to the city. The Avshalom Yavo Yerushalayim, as Avshalom is entering Yerushalayim. Okay? So Hushai makes it in, and we're going to see his interaction with Avshalom in this coming chapter, which is chapter Tet Zain. So now, the, places are in, the, the pieces are in place. The main pieces that David has working for him in Yerushalayim are the Kohanim and Hushai Ha'arki which are going to be extremely essential for David to succeed in making out of this alive. In the meantime, Avshalom has Achitofel with him, and he is coming in strong with the support of Am Yisrael, 
and the support of you know the people since he inaugurated himself in Hebron. And okay? the two sons are just messengers. The two sons of the Kwanim are messengers. Okay. Yeah. Pasu perek tetzai. The Kwanim are spies and the sons are messengers. Uh-huh. The sons of those Kwanim. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And David goes a little bit from the peak of the mount. Remember we said he was in Harazetim, bowing and, and praying to God. So now as he's coming down the mountain, Tziva, the servant of Mephiboshet was with him. And he had a pair of donkeys that were laden, 200 loaves of bread, and he had 100, what is it, raisins or something? Raisins, and he had 100 dried figs, dried figs, and a pitcher of wine. What is Tziva doing? He's bringing an offering and a gift to David. Okay? Now, who is Tziva? Do you guys remember who Tziva was? So, if you remember, when David established his kingdom, he remembered that he had a promise with Yonatan, that he would, he would help Yonatan and the Shaul's family. And he found that Yonatan had a son named Mephibosheth. The one who was crippled? This is a man who was crippled. And he said, where is Mephibosheth? And he brought Mephibosheth and he basically commanded that Siva, the servant, Leave the become the servant of Mephibosheth and make sure that he's provided for till the end of days. He's one who was living in the house. Right. And, and what we pointed out, and this was with the help of Amnon Bazak's very keen insight, was that if you looked at the story, it was strange because... Siva was already the servant of the house But for some reason when they went to get Mephibosheth They got him from a random city I think it was called Lodavar or something like that They brought him from a random city And we said Why is Siva living in the house of Shaul Alone And the, sir, and the only rem, remaining Descendant of Shaul, Mephibosheth Is not even there with him And he's in some random other place He was controlling his house So we, we, we noticed that it seems like Siva was a conniving man and he was controlling the assets of Shaul's family. And now David had come to bring the assets back into the possession of the only remaining descendant of Shaul, namely Mephibosheth. So he commanded Siva that you must now become the servant of Mephibosheth. At the same time, we said Skyt Siva is not reliable. Because he, he keeps acting like he is the master. He keeps taking, like if you look back at the chapter, we notice a lot of things, even the way he was speaking. As if he was the one who was helping Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth is his master. Okay, so he, he basically took over in a conniving way and he was stealing the assets of Mephibosheth. And David was fixing that. But now all of a sudden, let's see what Siva does. He's a rotten character. I hate this guy. Okay? <laughs> he comes with the gift to David. He says, what are all these things you brought, all these gifts? The donkeys I brought for the house of the king. Lirkov for you to ride on. And the bread and the figs. To eat. And the wine for drinking those who are tired in the desert. And the king said, Where is the son of your master? Where is Mephibosheth? And Siva said to the king, He Mephibosheth is in Yerushalayim. Ki amar hayom yashivu li bet Yisrael et mamlechut avi. Because he said, today Am Yisrael is going to return the kingdom back to my father's house. Meaning, what does Siva claim about Mephibosheth? 
that he's joining the rebellion, that he's happy for the downfall of David. Okay. And the king said, I'm now giving you all of the assets of Mephiboshet. He said, I behold, I bow before you. Let me find favor in your eyes, my master, the king. And that's that story. Uh, so why does David give over the assets of Mephiboshet? It's, the Chachamim say this is a very, very big sin on David's part. That he didn't see through the, the guise of Tziva. Chachamim said it's a very big, big problem. One of the perushim in there is that he was also so exhausted and he's so demoralized that his faculties aren't thinking straight. Look, if you want to think about the story, in two seconds you could read through what Tziva is doing. Why in the world would Mephibosheth the cripple think that by David's son taking over power, somehow kingship would revert back to Shaul's family, which is from Binyamin? What in the world, like, that's such an, that's so not a believable story. Not only is the guy clearly not fit for king, he, even when we met him, the guy was the most humble man, he saw himself as a nothing, and he would never have pretensions that he would be king. There's, no, there's nobody left in their family to become king anyways, that we know of. And right. because yeah, David's right. son is becoming king, which is, which the kingship is remaining within the tribe of Yehuda. How is that going to end up back in Binyamin's territory? How is the kingship going to end up back in Binyamin's hands? And he's going to overtake Absalom now? Mm-hmm. Who, and what army? Mm-hmm. So what Siva is saying is very unbelievable. The fact that David gives in, the Chachamim say was a very grave sin on David's part. A very grave sin. Okay? Uh, it could be that it was, it was just exhaustion and frustration that David just said, I don't want to deal with this right now. Take his assets. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested. I mean, he's not going to send someone to go and check if this is true. I mean, he doesn't have the means has, to right now. What no is, how is he going to do that? To yeah. Okay. Now, now we, we go back one last occurrence before David leaves Yerushalayim, or between he gets out of Yerushalayim. He comes to Bachurim, which I guess is right outside Yerushalayim. Now, there was a man coming from the house of Shaul. His name was Shimi ben Gera. Coming out as there is this procession walking out of Yerushalayim and he is cursing. He's running his mouth. Now, now why, if you're thinking, if you think back to what we learned very early on in the book, what would be the gripe of someone from Shaul's house against David? Everything. Everything. First of all, that he took the kingship from Shaul. But if you remember, there are also other things. Like, random people in Shaul's family start dying. Remember, um, uh, Rechav and Bana killed Ishboshet, mm-hmm. the son of Shaul. And then, uh, somehow, Avner died, who was the general of Shaul. And every time this stuff happened, David said, Oh, this is so bad, this is so bad. Now, we noticed... That David was so concerned with these people dropping dead all of a sudden that it looks, like, it looks like he's the one who's doing it. Yeah. So he had to go overboard in, in making it look, in mourning and making a national scene out of it to show that he had nothing to do with it. Political. He had, he had to. Yeah. Otherwise, the people yeah. of the house of people of, that were supporting Shaul's house would never support him as king. Right. If he's just wiping out the previous house. But some of it was also genuine. Like no, David was, it, it was genuine. It was genuine. It was genuine, but he also he had to do it. He had to do it. It was a genuine political statement. Now, the problem is that you could imagine that some people from the house of Shaul, they still had negative feelings towards David for this reason. Oh, you killed our family. I didn't kill your family. 
Oh, you killed our family. So this guy, Shimi ben Gara, is in that camp, okay? He chucked stones at the doesn't mean he stoned him like with, he, he just threw like rocks at him, okay? He's throwing rocks at all the servants of the king. And all the people and all the strong men that were to the right and to the left of David, he was throwing rocks at. And this is what Shimi said to David as he was cursing him. Get out of here, get out of here, you man of bloodshed, you man of... Uh, Lacking in, lacking in decency. God is now bringing upon you revenge or vengeance for all the blood of the house of Shaul. That you've, you took the kingship in their stead. And now he's giving it to Avshalom, your son. And now this, you're in the evil that you deserve. Because you are a bad person. Because you are a, a, a man of blood. Now remember Avishai's character? The, the Tsiruyav? Always, always towards like violence, right? Why should this person curse my master the king? This this, yeah, this the dead dog. Why should he, cur- he curse the master the king? Let me go and cut off his head. He said the same thing about Shaul. Whenever Shaul was sleeping, Avishai went and he said, let me cut off his head. You sons of Tziruyah, your Av also is like this. Avishai is like this. They're both very, very uh, uh, aggressive. Okay? What is it to me and to you, sons of Tziruyah? No, they're not Kwanim. They're, they're the cousins, they're brothers, they're nephews of David, according to the Mifarshim. Okay, so what is it to me and to you, sons of Tziruyah? He's cursing like this. Because God told him, Kalel, to curse David. Who can say, why are you doing this? I'm not going to put the blame on him. This is God's doing. God is telling him to curse. Let him curse. And that David continues, Pasuk Yudalif. Behold, my son that came out of my loins, or from my stomach, or from, from, my, from me, he is seeking my life. What, and now you're going to get upset about this, this random Benjaminite? Of course a Benjaminite is going to be upset. My son wants to kill me, the Benjaminite wants to kill me too. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Let him curse. Because God told him to curse. Maybe God will see in my suffering or in my crying. And God will bring me good. In place of this curse. Maybe it will be kaparat avanot for me. And now I will have good things come upon me instead in place of this curse. And David and his people went on the way. And Shimi continued to walk. Along the side of the mountain, up uh, next to them, Haloch Kalel, continuing to curse them. Sakel Lumaton, he kept throwing stones at them. Ipar Afar, and he was throwing uh, dirt at them as well. Look at, it's incredible how aggressive this Shimi Ben guy is. You know, David, he was yesterday. He was king. You know what I'm saying? It was only yesterday that he was king. And how much hatred do you have crazy. for him? Why is it? We have a story in the beginning of the chapter where David is wrong 
Yeah, but opposite extreme of the story where the is being super righteous. How is that? Why you're saying in this one chapter he goes from giving tziva the entire house of Mephibosheth, yeah, and then in the same chapter he accepts with humility the curses of the some random Benjaminite. Yeah, he has so the right weird. to kill this Benjaminite, and he also shouldn't have given. He like flipped. But the Benjaminite, the Benjaminite, his curses were correct. It's a good point. His attitude wasn't correct, but his curses were correct. David, Why were his curses correct? He says you're ish damim. David was known to be very violent. That was one of his big sins to be violent. And no, it so, wasn't. No, he, no, he was never sinfully never violent. Sinful, sinfully violent. The, the, even whenever in Divrei Yamim, not even in our in our book, but in Divrei Yamim, when it says that he couldn't build the Beit Hamikdash because he, he was a man of war, it had blood on his hands. It wasn't in the negative way. It was just that you're in, you have a lot of battles that you're you're in. He also called and him a base man, which you know. He called him he a base a man. Of, he had a lot of, lot of wives. He had. To... No, I, that's not negative. The fact no. that the king has many wives is not doesn't make him an ish biliyal. No, no, no. I think this is out of this is out of line. What he's saying is definitely not true. Okay, what he's saying, what he's accusing David of murdering Shaul's family, in essence. He didn't. We know he didn't, right? Yeah. That, that much we know. But I like Mike's question. On the one end, David makes, shows very lacking in judgment with Siva. And then right after that, he shows the ultimate humility when it comes to the guy cursing him. Now the question is, was he right in allowing him to curse? Or should he just have allowed Abishai to, to cut off his head? It says in the notes, um, what's the God? The Radak says, uh, God has, who has ordained that I suffer this degrading exile as punishment for my sins, has invoked this man to, to augment his suffering. Uh-huh. And then again, Rashi says, alternatively, Shini, uh, uh, he was the head of the Sanjid. Yeah, they say that. And the Midrash says that he person, was a great Sadiq. the head of the son and wow. such a Sadiq, wouldn't be going outwardly like this and cursing David. No. It had to be, it had from, to be Hashem from Hashem that caused him to do this. Wow. I know what, Pure Olam just controls the mouths of people all of a yeah. sudden? <laughs> so, that, so then Shimi's not yeah. going to get... So why was Shimi punished for this? We know he's going to be punished for this. David's gonna punish, David is going to tell Shalom to punish him in the next book whenever he reestablishes his kingdom. kingdom yeah. So if Hashem is one doing it... What do you mean? You're and asking he's just a free will question, but Hashem knows what we're gonna do. Someone has to bring out, bring out this this judgment. So what? It's the it's the head of, it's God. the head of the Sanhedrin. I don't know. I'm just trying to understand the midrash. I don't know. I feel like, I feel he, like he's the head doing... of the Sanhedrin. So God chooses him to be the mouthpiece for the curses of David, and then he's gonna get punished for it. I feel like he, he feels more it. like a king whenever uh, Tziva brings all these uh, splendors to him and he feels like more of a melech than ever he's able to say, okay, all this belongs to you. And then he's kind of grounded whenever Shimei ben Gerah is kind of throwing these insults at him. Uh, Afad, you're a, uh, you're a criminal, bloody, all this stuff. And he kind of becomes more humble in a sense. So he became elevated with Tziva's gift and then he felt humble I don't know. It's a very strange part. Baruch Adonai Lulam. Amen. Amen.